Welcome to the Why in Psychiatry, your go-to 15-minute pragmatic podcast, where we delve into the intricate nuances of psychiatric topics. Each episode features interview-style discussion that explore the intersection of the mind, medicine, and the human experience. Together, we'll uncover the hidden why. It's in the groundbreaking discovery shaping the psychiatric landscape. So grab a seat, a warm beverage, tune in, and let's embark on this journey to unlock the mysteries of the human psyche. Only on The Why in Psychiatry. A question that puzzles us all. Why does the mind falter when all seems well and vice versa? The human brain, an organ so complex that it has managed to remain somewhat of a mystery, even in the age of technology. But what if we told you we're pulling back the veil of some of these enigmatic processes? What if we can help you understand why some of us grapple with the shadow of depression? Imagine a world where psychiatry isn't so much hocus-pocus, but rather more focus-focus. Intrigued? You should be. Today on The Why in Psychiatry, we venture into the realm of mood disorders. How the salience network the executive network, and the default mode network all intermingle during when mood goes right and when mood goes wrong. We'll try to answer the question of why does it happen? What is going on in the brain? Sit tight as we delve into some serious brain business with our regular hosts, Dr. Amayo, or known as Marigold, and Dr. Hendrada. Let's unravel the why in psychiatry, shall we? Welcome to the Why in Psychiatry. As usual, today I have Andrata with us. How are you guys doing? We are doing great. And bonus today, we are all recording from different time zones. I think it's amazing the things we can do with technology. All right, so jumping right into today's topic, I found myself, you know, multiple times talking to a patient or talking to the family, trying to explain what depression is and why their loved one or themselves have depression. And I think sometimes I've used either the genetic model or I've used the chemical imbalance model. But I actually, I actually don't think I know why people get depression. Is that, is that something you can help us with, Dr. Andrata? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a really good question. So we'll actually divide it, actually. So definitely the neurochemicals do play a role, but it's not the only thing that causes a person to get depressed. Like in a layman's term, what I usually tell patients is that if you take away reward from your brain and you do not replace the reward and you deprive the brain of the reward, people usually get depressed, right? That's a very simple answer for why people actually get depressed. Like, for example, when we lose our loved ones, we won't actually have the reward of talking to them anytime we want to or seeing them, right? So you're deprived your brain of the reward. So mm. why do we get depressed? So there are different reasons why we get depressed. It could be genetics, because we always ask for a family history of depression. So it does run in the family. Adverse childhood events. The more number of adverse events you have during your childhood, the more likely you're actually going to get depressed if you have the genetic predisposition for depression. And plus, research data shows that 
adverse events in childhood changes your brain chemistry, the way the brain is connected to each other and they talk to each other, different areas of the brain. Then you have psychosocial stressors, right? Well, we have the biopsychosocial mo model in psychiatry. So if you have the genetic predisposition, you have a lot of adverse childhood event, and then you expose them to a lot of stress in adult life, you're actually creating the perfect storm. And then we also look at different other factors which can make you depressed, like use of substance use, right? Alcohol, benzos, opiates, or medical conditions. The commonly known condition is like Cushing syndrome, hypothyroidism, pancreatic cancer. Actually, depression is actually comes first before the cancer is diagnosed. Medications, long-term use of steroids can make you depressed, right? And then you have different types of depression, like seasonal component of depression, your premenstrual dysphoric disorder, postpartum depression, right? So these are some of the reasons why people get depressed. And then we'll talk about the monoamine theory as we talk about the treatment of depression. Does it make sense? So we have what causes the depression, but what happens in the brain when there's a depression? Right. So that's actually, it's still a research work going on. It's still, it's in, in its infancy, but we know more than what we knew a decade ago. So to understand what happens in the brain in depression, we need to actually focus on three major networks in the brain, right? Because the brain doesn't work as like individual frontal lobe, parietal lobe, temporal lobe, occipital. It basically works as a network. So the most important network that we are going to talk about is the salience network, the executive network, and the default mode network. So a network, a network is a combination of brain parts working together to achieve a common goal. Absolutely right. Now, let's make it very simple. So, salience network is basically, it involves different brain areas. As the name suggests, it's responsible for detecting salience in the environment, right? It's responsible for absorbing or processing all the sensory information that we are getting. So, it could be like sensory information from inside the body, which we call as introceptive signals, or it could be from outside the body called extraceptive signals. So, introceptive signals is like a heart rate the breathing rate, your body temperature, your bowel movements. Those are all internal signals. And then external signal, so, you don't have to remember this, but just was implicit, the anterior cingulate cortex, your insular cortex, the reward area of the brain called nucleus accumbens, and the dopamine that enters into this nucleus accumbens from ventral tegmental area, and the amygdala, they all actually form the salience network. Does it make sense? That makes sense, yes, sir. So what the salience network does is that it usually gets these information. So the extraceptive information is like your vision, your hearing, your smell, your proprioception, vibration sensation. So everything enters into the salience network, right? Now, once it enters into the salience network, then our brain tries to actually figure out what can we do with this information. So what it does is that it will actually recruit your executive network. As the name suggests, it's responsible for executive functioning. So that involves your dorsolateral prefrontal cortex and your posterior parietal cortex. Now, these areas of the brain are located very close to your sensory and motor area. So it's responsible for stimulating the psychomotor activity that is required to achieve a goal, depending upon the signal you're receiving, right? And we'll actually talk about an example. And it's also responsible for executive functioning, that is your planning and organization. Okay. Then you have something called as a default mode network. As the name suggests, 
your brain is in this particular network when you're in a default mode. You're just sitting and lazing around. You're dreaming, you're mentalizing, you're fantasizing, right? It's also a lounging, lounging network. Exactly. That's actually the default mode network, right? So it basically involves your midline brain structure. That is your medial prefrontal cortex and your posterior cingulate cortex and your precuneus. So that's your default mode network. It's also activated when you're actually like thinking or you're basically uh, writing a poetry. And plus, it's also responsible for knowing who you are and also responsible for autobiographical memory. Everything that you've done in your life. Right? Would that be the right the right brain, left brain then? It's on both the sides. It's on both sides. Yeah. So these are the three main networks. Now let's put that into play. So let's actually look at this. Let's look at depression and let's, let's, let's look at something else. So for example, you're sitting in your office or you're actually sitting in your residency uh, lounge and the code blue comes on, right? So there's a speaker announcement. So there is that auditory information actually entering into your serious network saying that there's a code blue in room 103. Just imagine. So what happens is that as soon as the salience network gets that information, it will recruit your executive network. So what you do is that you're not going to sit in your seat and mentalize or fantasize. You're going to actually run. So your psychomotor center is stimulated. So you run towards the room 103 to see what's going on with the patient. And then you use your executive function that is planning an organization to run the code blue, right? That's that's if you got a psych resident, of course. I will not run. This is sir. No, no, no. This is good. This is good. You're absolutely right. But let's look at depression. What happens? So when a person is depressed, people with depression are very, very tuned to the introceptive signals. What happens inside the body, right? Like the heart rate going up and down, your breathing going up and down, the change of the body temperature, right? Now, what happens actually in depression is that. The salience network is usually responsible for processing reward and punishment. Mm. So the area of the salience network that processes reward becomes inactive and that processes punishment becomes overactive. So then what happens now, the salience network gets hardwired or connected to your default mode network. So instead of activating your executive network expression, it will actually keep you in the default mode network. Now, what happens here is that since you're in the default mode network, you start ruminating. You start actually like ruminating about sad memories and thoughts that has been stored in your hippocampal area, right? You actually start feeling shame, feeling of guilt, feeling of remorse, right? So you're stuck in the default mode network and you're not able to recruit the executive network. So what happens? If you recruit the executive network, when you're sad, you you actually stimulate the psychomotor activity, you'll go out, go to the mall, go to the go for a walk, call your friends. You can't do it. So they're just like behavioral activation. Exactly. Right? So what happens is that since your central executive network is not working, you develop psychomotor retardation. Very common in depression, right? You actually don't have the executive functioning. You can't make decisions. You can't plan. You cannot organize. Right? So that is what happens actually in depression. And these networks are modulated by your monoamines, your glutamate, your GABA. So when they go out of whack, you have a dysfunction of this entire network. So you're stuck in your default mode network. Does it make sense? Let me see if I can understand. So things that cause depression 
uh, things like genetics as well as childhood events, medical causes, psychosocial causes. And so I guess that in a way primes our salience network more seeing towards negative things. So if you have an adverse childhood event, you're more sensitive towards the negative aspects of life. And so now our salience network then becomes more connected to our default mode as opposed to our executive network. And now since our salience net is more sensitive to the negative part, it's stimulated quite often by negativity. And that leads to us, instead of taking an executive decision, leads to us taking a more docile, default, relaxing decision. And I guess that leads towards our the neurovegetative symptoms that we might see in depression. Um, and, and also the, the guilt, the guilt, the shame, the rumination, the indecision that we see in depression. So yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Dr. Amayo, you said it actually better than me. I, I know. You did. You did. That was excellent summary. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Feel free to tap that subscribe button to show your salience network who's boss. Probably your executive network. Our tireless team is already hard at work, cobbling together another potpourri of fascinating discussion for next week, so be sure to tune in. Visit our website and our podcast feed and let us know your thoughts on the episode. Until next time, keep smiling, keep shining, and stay curious.